It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined by my longtime co-host, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It's a great day to talk about X-Wing. And my short-time co-host, actually, it's been like, I think, like 30 episodes now, so I'll just, I'll upgrade you from short-term co-host to co-host now, John. Great. John McDermott. Hi, everyone. I am keeping my energy level up per request by Carson, so enjoy. (laughs) Awesome. I'm, we just, I'm enjoying it. We record <laughs> we recorded our intro lines and Carson told us immediately that our energy was way too low. So we're coming at you with a lot of positive, high energy X Wing content today. Carson, what are we talking about? Uh well we are talking about, of course, the light fighter. Gotta follow up our heavy fighter conversation with its counterpart. Light fighter is just great. It's been there from the beginning. Uh, one of the main pillars of X-Wing. Yeah, so today is the second installment in our Essential Ship Type series. We're talking about the Light Fighter. Um, and I feel like it's great to follow up the Heavy Fighter with the Light Fighter conversation because those two are really at the core of what X-Wing is. Uh, and we'll dive into that here now. But I think it's a really interesting conversation to see how these are kind of the two most essential building blocks of the X-Wing game. Yeah, absolutely. So let's not keep anyone waiting. Let's just get right into talking about that Light Fighter. So today we'll be talking about what a light fighter is. Um, Last week we covered the heavy fighter and we gave the example of the T-65 X-Wing, which is kind of the quintessential example of that ship type. And the heavy fighter versus the light fighter is kind of the essential conflict of X-Wing. There are the two most conflicting ship types and are directly related to each other in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I, I think they really are the building blocks of what X-Wing is as a game. I think it's not an accident, um, not just thematically, that the core set for X-Wing comes with a T-65 X-Wing and two TIE Fighters. There you have a Heavy Fighter versus two Light Fighters. Um, and having that conflict, like the, the core set in X-Wing has actually always been a pretty good introduction to the game because it is fairly well balanced just flying the 2v1 strategy and that really gives you a good example of what these ships excel at each whereas you know we talked about the heavy fighter last week um a ship design that uh it's kind of in the middle um but it's kind of the baseline for so much of what x-wing is the heavy fighter is very much your your middle standard fighter so you know it comes in you can fit several in a squad um and and what defines it so much we talked about last week, but a quick summary is that, you know, it's going to work either in a group or on its own. Um, and I think generally the decision making make with a heavy fighter is, uh, the ship carries a lot more weight in making decisions individually. Whereas now we're going to look at the light fighter. This is a ship that the decisions matter more on a big picture scale. Usually when you have a lot of these. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in that course that you get two tie fighters to that one X wing. Um, so of course, you know, they're cheaper, you can take more of them, and that's, you know, sort of the point of the light fighter. You know, our great example is that TIE LN fighter, and when you see a TIE fighter on the table, you usually see a lot of them. Uh, this is a ship that doesn't cost much, so it's great to take in mass. Yeah, and overall, generally, light fighters are on the lower end, price point-wise. Um, the cheapest ship in the game is a light fighter. Um and they make good fillers too. So you can take a lot of them to kind of maximize the efficiency of the light fighter. Um, 
but they also just fill in gaps pretty well too. So the heavy fighter light fighter comparison is a good way to define the light fighter because basically everything that makes a heavy fighter special, uh, the inverse is true on the light fighter, but the light fighter is still a good ship. Um, so when you're looking at light fighter, generally they have a little bit lower on the attack output front. Pretty much almost every ship, actually I think every ship maybe barring one that we're going to talk about today, uh, comes with just two attack dice standard. Um, and their defense is going to be a little bit higher on the agility front. So usually they're going to have at least two agility die, if not three. This is kind of the uh, inversion of what we saw with the heavy fighter, where usually they had two, maybe one sometimes. Or, or a nice split between one and two. So generally you're going to have a lower attack output, but higher agility. Um, but to go coincide with that too, you're going to have a little bit lower hit points. Yeah, and so on the table, um, these light fighters are going to be you know exceptionally strong in the early game. You know, the heavy fighter is good in the early game, too. Um, and these both fall into the jousting category. Um, but I think, you know, especially when you take a whole swarm, the light fighters are going to have the strongest early game of any ship type. Um, and that's through, you know, strength of numbers. You, know, you get more attacks when you take a bunch of ships. And you also have really good action efficiency, um, not on a ship-to-ship -ship basis, but for your whole squad, um, you're just going to end up with more tokens, um, which means um, you do get more modifications you know, on defense and offense across your whole list. Um, so light fighters, you know, their action bar is not great, but just through sheer numbers, they do get uh, pretty strong action efficiency. And that's going to be a theme you're going to see as we talk about light fighters, where uh, the theme is that you really have to take them as a whole or in a group or when you're running them as part of your list, and you can't really take them on the merits of the individual ship uh, because a lot of their weaknesses are when they're on their own. Those are those are the times where you really realize, oh, why not every ship that you fly is a light fighter? Right, yeah. So once you start losing ships, um, their effectiveness does fall off pretty dramatically. You know, with just two attack dice... These guys aren't going to be winning too many um, 1v1 fights. So you got to make sure you keep your numbers up as you move into the end game with these light fighters. The other thing that sets the light fighter aside from the heavy fighter is generally they're faster. Um, they have more of the higher end speed maneuvers on their dial and maybe some access to the faster blue speed maneuvers as well. Well, and like often they have a higher quality of dial generally than a heavy fighter too, which is interesting um, because you obviously are going to invest more points in a heavy fighter. But I mean, you look at so many comparisons between heavy fighters and light fighters and the dials on light fighters are often quite a bit better, even if they're maybe more constrained to having to go faster. They don't have as many of those short maneuvers. Yeah, and I think it's kind of deceptive, but I think like there's a pretty high skill ceiling on light fighters. Um, because there is so much potential through that dial, and a lot of them have you know pretty decent repositioning options. So I think there's a lot um, you know that players that take the time to master these light fighters. Um, it's it's pretty rewarding. There's a lot you can do with them on the table, uh, just through mobility. And you know when you have more ships, uh, there's more things you can create. You know you can set up a few to block, um, and then the rest you know focus fire on that target. Uh, you can spread them out, and approach your opponent at a lot of different angles. Just a lot of tactical options, you know, through that speed and just having more ships on the table. 
All right, so let's break this down into factions, though. So we're going to talk about uh, each of the factions today and each of the light fighters that they bring to the table. And I think if we're talking about light fighters, it seems appropriate to start with the Empire because they have kind of the the baseline light fighter, the one that started this whole game out, uh, the TIE LN. Right, you know, just two attack dice, three agility, three hull. Pretty squishy if those green dice don't hold up, but also really cheap. You can take a bunch of these guys. And I think, you know, one of the most effective ships in the game. So the TIE-LN really um, gives you a great example of what makes light fighters great. Because, you know, if you're facing off against one single TIE fighter, that is probably about the least scary thing that you can have in X-Wing. Um, just because the damage output's pretty low, um, limited amount of actions. It's got, a, it's got a decent selection, but no double repositioning here, no access to target lock. So if it's shooting at you, it's probably just a focus token, two dice. Um, but they become terrifying when you see them in large groups. Like, if I have to face off against one TIE fighter, no big deal. If I'm sh looking down the barrel of, you know, six to eight of these things, that's probably the scariest position you can be because you just know you're going to take a lot of damage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that also sets the Imperial tile in from there's some other TIE fighters in the different factions, but the Imperial one stands out, um, I think because it does have a lot of pilot options that do boost the offense of these two attack dice. So an Imperial group of TIE fighters I'm much more scared of um, than, say, a group of scum TIE fighters. You've also got a wider spread of initiative options for the tile end fighter as well. You go all the way from one to five, whereas some of the other factions have more limited options. Right. Well, and there's like a bunch of initiative five options for the Empire. Of course, you have Inferno Squadron and initiative four. A um, lot of great pilot options. So much in the same way that the T-65X Wing gives the Rebels the most options with a single heavy fighter where, you know, they have high pilot high initiative AC pilots like Luke and Wedge, all the way down to, you know, low cost generics. Uh, the TIE LN on the Empire side can do so many things that a light fighter can do. If you want just that cheapest possible swarm option, you've got a bunch of initiative ones, you're good to go. If you want to go for the little more AC swarm option, you've got Inferno Squadron there with a bunch of synergistic pilot abilities. Uh, I mean, the TIE LN has just an insane number of pilots uh, and just different ways to load out squads with light fighters. It definitely competes up there for what is the best light fighter in the game. The Imperial faction also has the TIE Aggressor, which is not a very commonly played ship. Um, didn't really see a lot of play in 1st edition and probably even less play so far in 2nd edition. But uh, it seems to fit the category of light fighter pretty well. Yeah, this one was a little weirder to classify just because we haven't seen as much of it get played. Um, but after we analyzed it a little bit, um, we think it falls pretty squarely into the light fighter category. Um, one thing that is interesting about light fighters, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about the uh, uh, M3A interceptor over on the scum site, is that um, oftentimes light fighters will carry some sort of non-primary attack weapon that they can use. Um and the TIE Aggressor is obviously a platform for missiles or a turret, um, but that doesn't you know, put it in our ordnance category of ship types. It actually still falls in the light fighter category based on the way it's used. Which is hardly ever. Right. I mean, the TIE Aggressor is just basically just, you know, it's the Empire's slightly more expensive light fighter that has a few more weapon options, but still got that pretty low hit point value. So these things die pretty quickly as well. 
Um, but you can throw a lot of attacks through just weighted numbers as well. Yeah, I mean, like compared to when we talk about ordnance ship types, uh, the ordnance ship type in a couple episodes, um, the reason you throw those kind of secondary weapons on a light fighter is not that you expect to get a lot of long-term value out of it. It's because you're going to get a lot of short-term value out of it. Uh, whereas a lot of the other ordnance-focused ships, you're expecting to for them to pay off over the long term. And while the TIE Aggressor does have a shield and four hull, it still only has two agility, so it's not going to be on the table for super long. Um, but having those options to take the turret or missiles to give it a little bit of an edge while it is on the table um, can definitely help the ship be worth its value. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to the Rebels. Um, here for their staple light fighter, we have the Z-95 Headhunter. Um, so most light fighters are either going to model the three agility model of the TIE fighter or the two agility of the Z-95. So here we get, you know, one more hit point, um, but one less agility. Um, and this, you know, just feels like a bad X-Wing. It's got two attack dice. Uh, but, you know, it costs about half the price of an X-Wing, so... Yeah, and, and really, it's these two ships here. It's kind of almost uh, when we're talking about archetypal designs for light fighters. It's kind of like when we were talking about heavy fighters, the B-Wing and the X-Wing, were kind of the two main molds that most of these ships are going to fall in. So like you're saying, Carson, these are kind of the two molds you'll see for the rest of the fighters we talk about. Um, and the Z-95 does some things different that the TIE LN doesn't do. Uh, this is another ship that actually has ordnance options here. Again, you're not expecting long-term payoff. You're expecting, all right, I'm going to throw one missile loadout on here. I'm going to fire it, and then probably my Z-95 will die. Um now, that does come at a cost, though. You're not going to have the agility that the TIE-LN has, and you're not going to have quite as good of a dial as the TIE-LN. Right, and here, the Z-95's use, um, you know, TIE fighters, you see a bunch of TIE fighters usually taken. Z-95 kind of fits more of the filler role for the Rebels, you know, because they want to focus on those heavy fighters. But, you know, sometimes you don't have enough points for another heavy fighter. And so like, okay, well then we'll just take a Z-95. I think the other edge the headhunter has over the TIE fighter as well is that while it does suffer from one less agility, that extra hull that it has, uh, it does actually have a shield value of two, which goes a long way when suffering damage as well. Yeah, especially if you've invested in a secondary weapon on them, um, having that extra shield there means you're going to have the opportunity, hopefully, to actually use that weapon. Right, so... A lot of light fighters can die from one attack. Now, you know, if you roll average greens, they're probably going to survive one attack, but there's potential to just get blasted away pretty quickly. So the number of attacks it takes to destroy one of these fighters does matter because that means that's saving attacks um, from your other ships as well. So, yeah, that one extra shield can do a lot of help for the Z-95. Now, our next ship is actually the one exception here on offensive output. The attack shuttle on the Rebel side uh, has a primary weapon value of three, which is the only one, I believe, on our list that has that primary weapon value. Um, and that's kind of the special little flavor it puts on here. Um, the kind of Rebel theme, you know, when you're comparing Rebels to Imperials, is that they invest a little bit more into the safety of their pilots um, and to the uh, effectiveness of their equipment, whereas the Empire is just going for that, you know, cheap, cheap as possible option. Um, so here you've got a ship that's not really any more sturdy than a Z-95. You've got three hull and one shield, so slightly worse on that front. But it is going to hit a little bit harder on the front end. 
Right, but it's you know going to cost uh, dramatically more. This is one of the more expensive light fighters. Yeah, especially with only named pilot options, your cheapest uh, cheapest pilot option here right now is thirty two. So that's about that's on the high end for what you're going to pay for a light fighter for sure. It's also one of the only light fighters that has the option to take a crew upgrade. Um, so it can it kind of evens out there because you have some more options to maybe boost its effectiveness, you know, with its dial or with its defensive output or offensive output right i mean this is a great filler ship you know okay i have three ships with three attack dice i want another one can't quite fit another x-wing we'll take an attack shuttle have four ships with three attack dice that sounds great Um, so it's a good option for the rebels the one you see the least is probably the tile fighter for the rebels Uh, once again only named characters so you don't really get to take them in mass no swarms for the Rebel TIE Fighters. Yeah, and this ship design on the Rebel front really does um, put all its value in the in the pilots there. It doesn't actually do anything for the ship chassis that's special, unlike what we're going to see on the Scum and Villainy side with their TIE Fighter variant. Uh, and there's not much to say, I think, on this one. It is, again, just another filler ship here uh, to fill in some gaps that I'd, I haven't found to be very popular or appealing. All right, so moving on to Scum. Scum has a lot of pretty good options here. And I think you see these used quite a bit. Yeah, two of them we've already talked about today. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, so the core <laughs> three factions have a lot of overlap in these light fighters. Uh, so Scum does have the Z-95s, uh, basically the same as the Rebels, uh, but pretty you know, pretty effective filler. Uh, I think you see munitions on these guys a bit more uh, just because I think Scum likes that Alpha Strike approach. Yeah, and Scum has some other pilot abilities, too, that synergize well with uh, having some generic ships uh, backing up your squad. Yeah, I guess the notable thing about the Scum Z-95 is it's also can be used with the uh, YV-666 as an escape craft. So some fun shenanigans and synergy there. So much like the Imperial and Rebel factions, the Scum faction also has a TIE fighter. Um, it has the Mining Guild TIE Fighter option um, for one of its light fighters. And this one's interesting. I think it's a lot more interesting than the Rebel TIE Fighter because this one actually does do something interesting to the chassis. For the most part, it's the same. It's got two attack dice, three agility, and three hull. Um, but it does come with a ship ability that feels very scum and villainy. Yeah, when executing maneuvers, the Mining Guild TIE can ignore asteroids, which is pretty cool. Um, it... it trades that ability for a somewhat reduced speed but compared to heavy fighters and even some of the other light fighters it's still got a pretty quick dial yeah and i mean functionally too in a lot of cases the dial you have on the tie fighter is better than it needs to be i feel like in so many cases so i don't think you feel the impact uh so much of a slightly worse dial for the scum and villainy tie um but this is actually one that's been fairly popular uh shown up in uh competitive x-wing play a decent amount uh, and I think rightfully so. I think the ability to ignore asteroids when they are relevant is not only a very scum and villainy effect because they just love to play by a different set of rules than everyone else, um, but functionally that gives you so many maneuver options that are, you're normally constrained with like a typical TIE fighter. Normally an asteroid to a TIE fighter is going to be a big uh, impedance because it's going to mean you're going to have to fly your ship differently to avoid coming into contact. And since you're already so short on hit points, you know, taking a single damage from an asteroid even if you uh, get in a good position, that's, you know, a third of your health right there. Right, and I 
think actually that's probably a pretty big topic there where I think obstacles really do impact light fighters quite a bit um, just because you need to focus fire for these guys to be effective. And, you know, if you have to split up to go around an asteroid, that's really going to impede that ability. But, of course, the modified TIE Fighter for Scum just goes right over him. No big deal. Um, so, yeah, that is a big ship ability. What's cool about the Mining Guild TIE Fighter, too, is that it has kind of a reduced number of named pilot options. But I feel like the occurrence of the named pilots in lists is roughly equal to the generics, um, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, a lot of good options there. Now, I think the most popular light fighter for scum is the M3A Sick Interceptor. This is a pretty cool ship. Yeah, and again, this is a, uh, whereas, you know, when we're talking about the Z95 being able to take missiles as a secondary weapon, um, the hard point on the M3A, being able to take a cannon, a torpedo, or a missile, is one of the main selling points of this fighter. Uh, generally, it's going to be a little bit more expensive than just buying, say, a TIE fighter. But the M3A gives you some options that you can't have with uh, ships that are so basic as the TIE fighter. Yeah, I mean, this one comes in at a baseline of 25 points right now. But you get a lot. I mean, of course, you have that two attack dice, but you can modify that with the hard point. You got three agility and three hole in a shield. Um, so pretty survivable. You got four hit points backed up by three agility. Uh, you have a really good dial with the M3A. Uh, a lot of pretty good blue options, you know. And that difference between the 3 and the 5K um, gives you a lot of tactical options there. So this is a really mobile light fighter. Yeah, I still like mentally have a lot of holdovers from the first edition of the game where the baseline M3A was only three hit points and was not a very good ship at all. Um, the version we see in second edition... Uh, is surprisingly survivable. I mean, having the four hit points tied to three agility for only 25 points is a really good value. Yeah, and just a swarm of seven of these guys has become increasingly popular. You know, they're pretty tough to play against. It's it's really hard to score any points. John, do you think they're tough to play against? I have no comment. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> All right, moving on, though, we're on to uh, sequel factions now. So right. it's uh, the, the resistance. resistance. It's the Resistance. Uh, first up, let's talk about one of the more recent releases, the Fireball, um, which is a great example of what the Resistance does. As a faction, the Resistance is kind of the most high-tech that we've seen in X-Wing. And really, the Fireball, if you look at it, is just kind of like an advanced Z95. Right. I mean, of course, it has a printed hole value of six, but it has a functional hole of five um, just due to starting with a damage card. So it's, you know, a Z95 with one extra hit point, but it's all hole, no shields. Uh, but of course, it has this slam action plus the explosion with wings where you can flip up some cards to get rid of the downside of the slam, that no shot token making this an incredibly mobile light fighter. Probably probably the fastest light fighter in the game right now. And there's some great named pilot options that coincide with kind of that ship ability and the slam action that make them, you know, 
in in exchange for taking a damage, they have maybe better offensive output or defensive output against other ships, like Kaz, for example. Yeah, and, and Kaz is interesting because um, we're, we're talking, when we're talking about ship types, we're actually talking mostly about the chassis. Um, a lot of those chassis, your perception of them can be really affected by an interesting pilot ability. So while we put the fireball in the category of light fighter, because it very much is, uh, when you look at someone like Kaz, suddenly it can feel a lot more like maybe an interceptor or a heavy fighter, um, just because that pilot ability gives you ways to do things that normally a light fighter can't do. Yeah, absolutely. I try to take this as like a budget ace uh, for the resistance and then, you know, get in this cool spot and then realize I just have a two dice attack with <laughs> like maybe a focus for modification. Um, and so it, it doesn't quite hit as hard as some other aces I would want. Um, and it's got that missile slot, but no target lock, which means you can basically just do proton rockets. Um, so the fireball is definitely probably one of the weirder light fighters because um, you can do a lot of really cool stuff. It's, you know, an exceptional blocker and, you know, it's cheap enough. You can take, you know, quite a few of these guys. Shout out to Ryan Farmer. <laughs> I think in general, the resistance has just like the weirdest light fighter options because its other one is the resistant transport pod, which compared to the other light fighters has just an awful dial. Right. Well, and this was one we were debating about. Is it a light fighter? Because that is not how it was sold to us. Like, um, absolutely not. And like, lore wise, <laughs> that's not what it is either. Right. Like this is, this should be a utility ship. Like you should be taking it because you can put some crew on it. Um, it's got that jam action, right? Like that should be the reason you're taking the resistance transport pod, but all of its pilot options just make it, you know, the ones you take like Rose and Finn, like, they're just, you know, effective at combat. You don't really need many upgrades. Um, and it's just like a slow light fighter. It almost seems like two different people, like very separately designed different elements of it. Like the base chassis was all set up to be just a straight up support ship, utility ship. Um, and then just the pilot options were like, well, how can we make it hit a lot harder? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, because it has, like, a utility dial. Like, it's really slow because it's not designed for a combat role. Um, but, you know, if you're just slow and then end up in the right jousting lane, this thing can be incredibly effective. I mean, and to be fair, this thing came packaged with the with the transport, which is definitely a utility ship, and we'll talk about that in a later episode. But, you know, you got to keep that in mind, too. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, there is definitely some utility roles for the resistance transport, but usually when you see it on the table, it's filling the role of a light fighter. You know, it's that filler ship uh, because T-70s are expensive and it's hard to afford a lot of them. All right, now we get to our other sequel faction, the First Order, uh, which me and John are both big fans of right now. Well, and um, you guys both use the light fighters in these guys um, to great effect. I mean, that's, I think, one of the things that really stands out for the First Order is you know, incredibly effective light fighters. Well, and that really starts with the TIE FO because the TIE FO is uh, just a more modernized version of the TIE LN. Uh, you get that extra shield value there. They're able to target lock now. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's not, I mean, slightly better dial, kind of just an overall more advanced TIE fighter. I don't know if slightly, um, I feel like the dial's dramatically better. Having that blue turn is awesome. 
Well, you'd think so, but I mean, it's good. Like it was solid, especially on Scorch. Um, it wasn't as amazing as you'd expect. Um, but there's not a whole lot to say, I think, on the TIFO front there. You've got some interesting pilot options, but most of the time I think people are going for the cheaper end generics. At least that's always been my preference. Yeah, if you listen to our Hyperspace Hazard episode, uh, the TIFO is the only ship in the game that has access to every initiative. True. So you've got some options, and it does function really well as a filler ship, certainly. So you can either take them in mass uh, or as filler. The t- The fighter I really want to talk about, though, is the TIE SF, because this is something we actually already talked about in our Heavy Fighters episode. Okay, um, wait, the before we get to the FO, though, like a lot of the same things that make like the M3A stand out as a light fighter are also true about the FO. You know, you have that shield, which makes it, you know, substantially more survivable than a normal TIE fighter. Um, plus, you know, all those great dial options. Um, I mean, I think this is, you know, one of the premier light fighters. But, okay, go top it with the TIE SF. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the TIE SF is just so much better. We talked about it in our Heavy Fighters episode. The TIE SF, when you're using the Special Forces Gunner, uh, is a very different ship than without the Special Forces Gunner. So when it's got that gunner, it is clearly a heavy fighter. If you're just taking it as a generic uh, minimal or no loadout, like I often do, the TIE SF is on the high end of t- light fighter quality. It has got three hull, three shields, two agility, two attack, and arguably, I don't know if I want to say the best dial in the game, the best dial for your value in the game. Um, okay, well, we'll we'll wait till we get to the interceptor category to talk about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does have, a, you know, a dramatic slew of maneuver options. Uh, probably more red maneuvers than most light fighters. Uh, because this is supposed to be a heavy fighter. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and it's got the hit point threshold of a heavy fighter for the cost of a light fighter, right? Yeah, it's got more shields, which makes it substantially more uh, defensive against damage cards, which is really good. But, guys, we haven't even talked about why I think this is at least the second best light fighter in the game. We have to talk about that rear firing arc. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Big issue with most light fighters is they just have that forward firing arc. Of course, there's the TIE Aggressor as well. Um, But, you know, after that initial approach, you got to start turning around, and that's where things can fall apart for light fighters. Uh, But the TIE SF does not have that problem. Well, and I'd say that's the biggest benefit of having, you know, because when you're doing it without the gunner, you're obviously going to take that uh, mobile firing arc and set it to the back all the time. And really what that does more than anything is not so much boost your damage output directly, it just opens up your dial options in an amazing way. Whereas suddenly, you know, typical light fighters that have just the forward firing arc have to tur- they have to turn around to keep shooting. They don't have options. And a lot of times they can't do those short maneuvers because their dials are so much quicker than heavy fighters. They have to move at faster speeds. When you have that rear firing arc, you can go wherever you want and still get shots. Your time on target's amazing. Yeah, it feels way less bad when you're being chased. If you can't turn around, just keep going forward, and you're still going to be able to shoot. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that does, you know, you're paying for one and a half light fighters when you buy a TIE SF. Um, But, you know, you do get to use that two attack dice gun basically every turn, which I think does a lot of work to make up for that extra cost. 
All right, so that's the first order. You know, two very good choices for light fighters, TIEFO and the TIE-SF. Which has the best dial. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it does, There's man. a big eye roll with that. It has more blue maneuvers <laughs> than the M3A. It's got right, every let's, straight let's maneuver. wait till we get to the... And oh, only well, two for a light red fighter, maybe. Only two red maneuvers. For, for a light fighter, maybe, yeah. It's the best. <laughs> 2v1, Carson. I think, we, I think we win this argument. All right. <laughs> two FO players versus me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's talk about a Republic, uh, a Republic fighter, though, with a pretty lousy dial, but is good in some other ways. Uh, the V19 Torrent. Yeah. Um, pretty bad dial. A lot of red on it, um, but a very good stat line for its cost, right? That is the point of the torrent. Um, well, it's the point of the Republic, too, right? <laughs> Value. Fact. Uh, for the clones, yes. Um, the Jedi, you pay a premium price for everything. Well, right, that's the split identity of the Republic, though, right. right, is that they favor two main routes here. Either it's the really high-end, like, Jedi, you're investing a lot in that ability to use the Force, or it's just straight value with the clones. They're almost all identical, because they're clones, obviously. Or all uh, oddball, yeah. <laughs> or just all oddball all day. Uh, but the V-19 turret is not, it's not a ship where, when I first saw it, I was pretty underwhelmed by it, and then I've actually gotten a lot of experience playing with it. And it's a ship where its value is just all the pieces coming together. There's no one trait about the torrent that I'd say is particularly interesting or good. It's that like, oh, it's got, you know, five hit points. That's really good for a light fighter. Really inexpensive. Two agility dice, really important when you're at that five hit point threshold because it just means you live that much longer over the course of so many games. So what you're saying is is you're still underwhelmed by it. That's what I'm hearing. (laughs) Well, okay, so... (laughs) On paper, the torrent like doesn't look that great, but it's That's like you I'm can saying, tell yeah. how much it held the Republic together when in hyperspace. Oh yeah, they don't have the torrent option, and uh, it took Republic players quite a while to figure out what to do without this. Well, and the squads we see now from the Republic are very different than the ones we saw when the torrent was there. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And the V nineteen torrent is one of those light fighters where you're definitely taking more of the low initiative generic options. Like, I don't know if there are any good named torrent pilots. Well, even the other generic options, not great. Like, all the torrents I've seen in effective squads were always the just Gold Squadron Trooper. Right. Right. Gold Squadron Trooper is basically the V-19 torrent. Um, I don't know if I've seen really any winning Republic lists with named torrents. I'm sure there's some out there, but I haven't seen them. Um, but yeah, just... Th- I think this ship is one of the backbones of the Republic. You know, excellent filler, does a good job distracting your opponents while your Arc 170s or Jedi Starfighters can get in there and do the heavy work. The other light fighter option that the Republic faction has is the N1 Royal Naboo Starfighter, which is a favorite of you, Carson. Yeah, uh, this is a great ship. Um you know, there was a great weekend where people didn't quite know how to fly against Rick, um, and that was awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely on the high end of cost for light fighters, but you definitely get a lot of value for those extra points. You know, of course, you get that built-in evade when you go fast, um, and you know, you got five hit points and a pretty good dial. Um, what sets this one apart is really its pilot options. 
most of the pilots make this ship do a lot more work than its base stat line. Yeah, I think one of the biggest holdups for the uh, N1 Starfighter is that it just doesn't have the bite in most cases. Uh, the reason you don't see a lot of Bravo flight leaders or generics out there is just because, you know, this ship gets you pretty decent value for every attribute except for offense for the points you pay, and that really holds it back. Now, when you have ways to augment that, uh, suddenly this ship looks a lot different. Right, you know, when you set up the perfect, you know, Rick shot, um that can be great, but a lot of times you are just rolling two attack dice. Uh, but I think what sets the N1 apart from all the other light fighters is its survivability. You know, getting that free evade token plus five hit points, the options to take uh, regen, astromech. Like this thing has the durability of like an interceptor with regen. <laughs> And so that's, I think, one of the main reasons to take an N1. Well, and there's there's a lot of parts of the N1 Starfighter that can remind you of an Interceptor. Uh, the dial's pretty good. Um, you've got, you know, you're getting free evade actions. Um, but it is very squarely in the light fighter category. A lot of your perceptions of this ship can be affected by good pilots like Rick O'Lee. Rickley really skews the perception of, you know, it does more than you'd expect a light fighter to do. But at the end of the day, you'll get reminded it's a light fighter when you your opponent matches your speed on Rick Lee and you're just rolling two defense dice and you take a bunch of damage. Uh, then you're you're pretty certain that this is just, you know, basically a fancy Z95. Right. I mean, the same thing with Anakin, you know, when you set up that torpedo shot, it's great. But uh, when you're not able to do that and just to take the primary like, oh, yeah, OK, I just had a two attack dice gun on my 40 some point ship um, <laughs> yeah but that that does it for the republic all right so looking at our other prequel faction we have the separatists and the vulture is the light fighter for this faction and also happens to be the backbone for this faction oh and what a fighter it is oh my gosh <laughs> all, all of our favorite ship in the game right now um, it's hard. So, like, when I was talking about the TIE SF, I really wanted to say it's the best light fighter option, but I just can't say that when the Vulture exists. The Vulture is the best light fighter in X-Wing. Makes me sad. <laughs> and mad. It makes me feel makes a lot Paul of Paul happy. I don't care how Paul feels. <laughs> Paul Nelson. Come on, you gotta care how he feels. Yeah, a ship that should only cost uh, 20 points at its cheapest option. Um, but... You can go a little cheaper for unknown reasons. Well, and we've we've talked about why the vulture's great ad nauseum, so I just I think it's best if we just summarize it briefly, but it is the cheapest ship in the game. Well, and it's the weakest ship. Um you know, it's got three hit points backed up by two agility. So this is the least survivable or should be the least survivable uh of any light fighter or actually any ship in X Wing. Uh, outside of the autopilot drone. But when you add in network calculations and then you can have ships, different vultures uh, share, calculate tokens at range one, um, it changes their survivability math so much that these things just live way longer than they really should. Well, and we talked about the beginning, you know, the strength of the light fighter is, you know, you get that efficiency through numbers and that network calculation just amplifies that dramatically. Um, of course, this also has a, you know, a weird dial, but it works exceptionally well with 
uh, the Vulture's action bar, you know, having that blue turn, you know, the TIE FO has the blue turn, but, you know, don't have any linked actions, so you're only really using that blue after you K-turn or through pilot abilities like Scorch. Uh, but the Vulture, you know, you can link that barrel roll into a Calculate, get stressed basically every turn, and then just the next turn do a blue two-turn, you know, change your firing arc position and, you know, clear your stress, ready to barrel roll, link into a Calculate again. See, Carson, you even corrected yourself. The blue two-turn here is way more important than it is on the TIE FO. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's still good on the FO, but uh, it's <laughs> incredibly powerful here on the Vulture. Of course, it's balanced by having some red bank options um, and not having any balanced. blues on the banks. Okay. <laughs> that too hard also works really well on the ship um, when you take the Grappling Struts config, which basically just allows the Vulture to park itself on an asteroid and then pivot in place uh, infinitely if it really wants to. And... Uh, you know, get to shoot you and not worry about the rock. But when you shoot back, you have to worry about the rock. So, yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in the same thing, you know, like this ship takes a lot of elements for all these different light fighters we've mentioned, combines them all. You know, the mining guild ties, like they're good because they have some ability to ignore obstacles. Uh, the separatist vulture does that even better than the mining tie. Of, oh, I'll just stop on it. Um <laughs> And that's fine. But still get the perks. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like, if I had to... The three factors that make the Vulture the best light fighter in the game are really network calculations, a linked barrel roll into a calculate, and access to grappling struts. Because, you know, one of the big constraints of... Or what is normally a constraint of a light fighter is that, you know, you fly them in groups to get the best value out of them, but they have a little bit of trouble dealing with obstacles and asteroids. Well... The vultures just don't care about that constraint, which is a huge advantage. Right. I mean, plus they also have the missile slot to boost that to attack dice uh, gun. And we haven't even talked about the tactical relays. So really, they just do everything that a light fighter can do the best. All in one for the cheapest price. All in one. It's dumb. But in theory, they die easily. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine though because if you kill one you still have to go through like 18 more of them so and you luck. got like 10 points you can tell we're not better we're not better at all yeah this is, this is a great ship everyone should fly it just don't play against me <laughs> please i'll be sad all right so that's our look at light fighters one of the building blocks of x-wing uh, the TIE Fighter is, I mean, that's, you know, the X-Wing is an iconic Star Wars ship, but I feel like the TIE Fighter's right up there, too. So it makes sense that these are kind of pillars of X-Wing. Well, yeah, and, like, when I'm list building, I'm never like, oh, I really want to take a light fighter. But every time I put it on the table, I'm like, wow, these always overperform for their cost. Um, so if you're skeptical about light fighters, you know, oh, why would I want a two-attack dice gun with just, like, four hit points? You know, put one in your list, um, and usually they end up being that MVP, just the generic light fighter filler ship. All right, so before we go, I um, wanted to introduce a new segment uh, just, you know, for these current times called Good News in X-Wing, where we just, you know, shout out the X-Wing community helping with uh, the COVID-19 situation. Uh, so this week, I want to shout out uh, Ken Cho of District Foundry and Scott Karsh. Um, both these people have been 
using their 3D printers. Probably originally they were used for making X-Wing tokens. Now they're using them to print um, ear relief bands for face masks and delivering them to hospitals. Uh, so shout out to Ken Cho and Scott Karsh. Um, you know, X-Wing players helping the situation. Yeah, that's super cool. Um, I love to see, you know, people just, you know, it's a really it's a really hard time for all of us out here, even for those of us not sick and just trapped at home. Um, so it's great to see people using their resources to really support the people out there who need the support the most. And they're doing it pro bono, too. I know Ken was pretty vocal about, you know, not even accepting donations or anything, which just, you know, that's a step above and beyond where I think a lot of people are at. So uh, shout out to Ken and Cho for doing that work for the medical professionals out there. Yeah, and so if you know, you know, someone that should get a shout-out for helping out, let us know. We can continue good news in X-Wing because we can all use some good news. And hopefully it won't be too long until we can all just play regular old games of X-Wing again. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. You can go on iTunes and leave the show a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX and becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back again with this series. We've still got five different ship types to talk about. I don't know if it'll be next week, but it will be soon. But either way, we'll talk to you next week in some capacity. Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for expert news and and strategy. I feel like we need to do that again. Energy was way too low. (laughs) Do it again. Well, maybe because you interrupted me, Carson. You did talk over him. No, Tim's energy was too low. My inner. All right, John, let's start it over again. All right. At the four. Okay, here we go. Pew! Sorry, I should do the higher energy. Pew! <laughs> well, the energy thing's funny because I usually have the low energy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? What'd you say? You have the what? What? Nothing. <laughs>